As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All ABC podcast. I'm on my way home. Uh, Marcus, I believe, is already home. Uh, the Warriors have opened this home and 0 and 2, and it has a similar feeling to Marcus. You remember early in the season? What were they at? Like you know, six and two. It's funny. It's kind of uh, similar, but they've just lost in Denver. But it felt like a pretty good loss. They were coming home feeling good about like how they survived a road stretch, and I believe they had a five game homestand. Uh, yeah. or I think it was a six-game homestand, and they lost the first five. Lost the first five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were 0-5. Well, this, again, you know, they have a five-game winning streak. They go to Denver on Christmas. They lose a game that, you know, didn't felt, you know, they, they, they were in it uh, against the defending champs at home, and they come home, and you're like, all right, seven-game homestand. This could be a, a chance for them to, to generate some real momentum and get on, like, the right side of 500, you know, uh, in a good way, and they're doing it again, 0-2, and, and – 0-2 in, like, a pretty demoralizing way. Uh, they blown out by the Heat. and I don't know if you want to call it tonight a blowout or not, but, you know, Luka controlled the whole game. Mavericks win at 132-122. And uh, they just, like, you know, no Kyrie, and, like, they were pretty much handled easily. Yeah, it was – actually, you know what? The first quarter was the the killer, I think. I feel like – most of the game, uh, I'm sorry, Dallas got what they wanted, but we saw the kind of we saw a bit of a response, right? I mean, they scored 122 points, which is a lot for them, uh, and they made some runs. They just couldn't guard. So, but if you look at the last three quarters, they outscored Dallas. They they played Dallas's brand of basketball, and Luca was just better. So, in that sense. I felt like it was a better performance. If they play like that most nights to win, the difficulty, the same thing that happened with the last homestand is these teams that are coming in are good. Because remember before it was like two against OKC, two against uh, Minnesota. And it was like, yeah, you're home. But uh, then it was like, oh, they started with the Cavs who had already beat them, right? Just, you know, it was terrible matchups. It was tough, you know, tough matchups, the, the kind of teams that give them problems. You know, now they've had Miami, who, which is probably the game they should have won. Dallas was always going to be tough. And then you got Orlando and Denver, also 
incredibly tough teams, lots of wings, lots of athleticism, uh, lots of youth, uh, size, like all the things that they don't have. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough, but I do feel like they might have found something, uh, which, you know, based on how they're seeing kind of matters a little bit more. Uh, it, it feels like they might have found something. This wasn't the – like Miami was like, oh, my goodness, how do you lose What do you game? think they found? I think they found – well, number one, Clay sat for the final eight minutes of the game. And I, and I think they found, like, the resolve to sit him. And we've seen this already. And then he got hot again. Did I lose you? No, no, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, so, and then he got hot again, but that was against, you know, you know, it was against mediocre opponents. Let's be real about it. But he sat for eight minutes. He wasn't good. Uh, they went with the – they found the lineup that works – with Kaminga and Wiggins, it was Kaminga, Wiggins, TJD, Steph, and Pods. And then they replaced Pods with Chris Paul. And you could see, like, the defensive energy uh, on the perimeter. They they got up into guys. Uh, to me, I felt like getting Gary Payton back, like, you could see the difference. Like, he gave Luka probably the more difficulty of all of them. Uh, well, he so had a weird game where he – the three point shooters, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He came in and like, yeah, I think he had an ISO block on Luca, and certainly like that's the guy Luca wants to see least. That's for sure. But he also then they they re-entered him earlier in the second half, like, oh, you know, we may have found something. And Luca was kind of giving it to him to start the third, and then he just started crashing into three point shooters, like trying to block everything. So, you know, there's a little bit of a what you know, the wild card nature to Gary, and you know he will help, but he also creates more rotational questions, right? DNP completely for Moses Moody tonight. You never even felt like Kerr was looking his way. Um, so, I mean, not we don't need to get into that quick, but you know, it's a, I look. They changed the starting lineup. They went with Trace Jackson Davis. That's another band aid they ripped off a little bit tonight, right? Being at least you know the willingness to start him over Looney in certain matchups. Um, so, you know, we can get into some of the positive, but to me, like the post game vibes from them, wasn't like, you know, we found something. It was like, they didn't want to go full, like, Hey, we have chemistry issues because they spent all off season saying, we're trying to solve these chemistry issues. They spent the first 10 games of the season saying we did solve these chemistry issues. Even look, Chris Paul is willingly coming off the bench. Remember that time of the season where it was like, you know, everything was going so well for them. But tonight they're sitting there like Steve Kerr's clearly hinting that like the personal agendas are getting in the way. I mean, we're seeing the moping when, you know, Clay's one of 11 tonight. We know Jonathan Kaminga's uh, at times rightfully upset with with his playing time. Moody's not playing at all. Draymond Green is is wherever Draymond Green is at this point, but it's certainly not playing for the Warriors. Um, I just thought the post game quotes tonight were slightly alarming, uh, which included. Uh, uh, you know, Steve Kerr had the longer ones, but Pajemski came up and said they basically had like a team meeting post game talking about bringing the right energy and how he feels on the bench. Uh, that you know, Pajemski is a surprisingly transparent quote for a rookie, but that he kind of feels on the bench that people maybe are not all in in the moment. And, and you know, it's more like, hey, look, they're mad at themselves for how they're playing, but it's just, I don't know where you at on all that because I don't, it just didn't feel like to me they came out of it like happy with what is going on. Yeah, I do think that's part of what they found, though, like that they aren't getting that element, you know, like they found a unit that was getting back into the game and 
The only guy you saw that was into the game was Corey Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Corey Joseph was on the bench. He was like, you know, you could just see the kind of energy he's bringing. I think the, the probably the most interesting moment of what you were talking about was when Clay bitched himself or thought he was coming out the game. And he's literally sitting on the bench and they're like, yo, you aren't, you aren't the one out. Yeah. So hustles back onto the court. But that was the, yeah. I was gonna say that was with like nine minutes to go, and and they're really pulling Chris Paul. But Clay, I think you know he's one of eleven or what at that point maybe it was one of ten, but goes over to the bench, sits right next to Chris Weems, and is like you can tell he's kind of like I don't know if he's pouting about his play, pouting about coming out, whatever. But he's like slumped on the bench, and they're like, no, dude, you're not coming out. And he bounces back, but then gets benched a minute later. Yeah, to me, it feels like those elements are being exposed, which. Is you know, remember before earlier they were losing. It was like, yeah, we'll be fine. Like our vibe is good, and it was almost like a. Uh, I don't think it was like being overlooked. Now it's like the like the veil is removed, and well, it's was very the, clear and, what's happening. Yeah, well, and the whole like we got to be patient with the vets. Like you, you're like they bench Wiggins at this point, like you know entirely right. He comes off the bench now, uh, and then yeah. Clay, this was time number two. Uh, and really, you could maybe say three. They Remember, he was on the bench with Steph last game where we were all trying to decide, was it a benching or not? Yeah. But this might have been kind of two straight games for Clay if you want to qualify it that way. Yeah, and, and I feel like if they decided Clay needs to come out of a starting lineup, I feel like now more than ever would they do, like they'd be willing to do it. Like to me, that's what it sounds that like. That would be... Because that would be a pretty – I'm not saying that they won't do it, and I'm not saying that they – It would be massive, though. <laughs> it would be It would be a lot more than, hey, I'm one of – you know, because Clay tonight can go, look, I'm one of 11. I've He's 8 of 34 the last three games. Like, there's still a deep, big-picture trust in him. At least, you know, you could be convinced of that if you're him. Because, you know, you're not taking his status as, like, starting two-guard of the Golden State Warriors or, you know, at this point, small forward, power forward. But, you know, starter on the Golden State Warriors. Benching him at the end of a rough game is a lot different than putting him on the bench. Like, to open every game, I think. And Marcus is in stunned silence. Or maybe he's... Sorry, I, I dropped out for a second. Yeah, no, all good. I'm just basically, like... That is the move that you're that you suggested there, uh, as shown right in his interaction with with Kawakami earlier this year, uh, is a lot bigger of a status bruise than you know sitting the last four minutes of a game that you you can't make a shot. Yeah, it's but like, I feel like I feel like they've arrived at the point of if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Like, whereas the protection of that. You know, I guess status is less important than salvaging whatever's left of whatever's possible from the season. I feel like that's what that's what Steve Kerr is talking about. I mean, you got the sense I watched this after because I wasn't in there, but you told me to watch it, so I watched it. Like, you got the sense that there's a little bit of fed upness in him in his voice, right? Like, he just sounded like, for uh sure, yeah. So it's like, look, if this what needs to be done, this what needs to be done. Uh, and you're seeing him pull guys like, you know, he's pulling Looney, he's pulling 
Like, like he's going with Wiggins and Kaminga, even though he probably doesn't believe it works. And the numbers that shows that it doesn't work. He's finding a way to, to get it done. You know, like I, just Moody's just out. Like he told Moody's out. I, I don't know if I agree with that per se, but it just feels like Steve Kerr has reached that point where it's like, all right, egos are out of the table. Status and all that stuff is out of here. Like who's ever trying to win, let's go. So that feels revelatory to me. It feels like they've, at least for Steve Kerr's point, they've discovered it. Now they might conclude Clay in the start lineup is best, especially for a team that's so limited on shooting. You know, it'd be tough to take him out of the lineup. But and he just had like, like a week by, ago. By the way, he, he just go ahead. Go I ahead. was just gonna say he just had like a. He just had like a 10, 12, 14 game stretch, whatever it was, where, you know, he was 40% from three. He was 20 points a game pretty much on a nightly basis. So it's not, you know, like that that matters within all this. But sorry, continue your point. I mean, can we can we just be a little bit real about that? Like, who was that sure. against? I mean, that's fine, but I'm just saying, like, he, he – there's at least – skills that reside within him that as you were kind of mentioning like are unique to the roster oh no question good and bad and the threat of him is important and also like you know if he's on a court other teams need to guard him but certain teams give him problems like that's very that's very clear like you know you got orlando coming in here if anybody's watched Orlando, I mean, they that's all they got are wings. Everybody's like 6'9". Well, you know, <laughs> it's, you know what's even more, I think, of a concern is, you know, tonight, you know, you're mentioning more like, you know, certain type of defenders that give them problems, which is correct, right? That was part of the whole Minnesota thing when, when the Gobert thing went down. But um, certain, like, like tonight he was guarding Luca way too much early. And, you know, they're talking about having to – uh, fix some of their defensive issues. Well, you know, like that's not going to help fix it. Um, you know, him on Luca. So yes, you're right. I'm, I'm just. I, I don't think they'll do it. I just think Kerr is more ready to do it. Uh, and yeah, I don't. I mean, it's, it sounds like it feels like Chris Paul might be starting permanently in TJD because they're only bringing in more athletes. Like Orlando's super athletic. Yeah. Do do you see them going with the game to game matchup type of rotation situation, even with the starters, or is it is is there still a part of them that want to nail down your nine your nine ten guys? I don't think tonight was necessarily like, oh, this is the starting lineup for good. I do think it is gonna kind of will be game to game. Now I do think it the big man spot is trending towards Trace Jackson Davis. And I do think that Chris Paul, as you mentioned, like the desire to get Steph and, and even at times clay going, or really just like anybody going right, the offense going for a table setter to be out there could make it. So Paul starts more often, but also like, look, Draymond's going to come back. There's going to be like, I think Wiggins days as a starter could come back if he has a nice little stretch. Right. Um, like this, they're going to start various combinations, I think, over the course of the next couple months. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, but but we heard them talking tonight about, like, the difficulty of not having a set 
rotation. I think that's problematic at the end of the games. I think at the end of games, it's so up in the air that they don't know what they want to do. And for me, I do feel like if they're gonna if they're gonna like address this clay situation, and you want to talk to Clay, I feel like he could learn from some of these other guys. I mean, if you watch Luca tonight when when the game was on the line and got close, I mean, he literally did the same thing. He went to the left elbow, dipped in, stepped back, and hit that little mid-range pull-up. Like, he did it every time he needed a bucket. And it feels like that's those are the type of things that Clay needs to develop. Those little spots on the court that he just goes to when things are rough. Uh, like, they don't have those staples because everything is so in flux. Like, they don't know where to go. It's like kind of like, hoping somebody blows an assignment and you get a backdoor layup. But against good teams, late in games, you're not getting those, you know, you're not not getting those, like, bad mistakes by opponents. Like, you got to go get a bucket. Uh, So, to me, that's the part that hurts them. I feel like they need to find it. But, like, who's – like, if you had to pick a closing five that you could say, I'm closing with this five no matter what. Like, who would that be? Is there such a thing that even exists? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I mean, it's difficult because, you know, we spent a large chunk of this season talking about how, like, that's the improper way to go about it, right? You know, when Moses Moody's hits three straight threes in Sacramento, like, don't take him out of the game. You know what I mean? Right. Jonathan Kaminga isn't in your rotation to start the game, but you put him in against Portland and he's, like, gets six straight buckets at the rim and, like, is – high energy because we we all know the difference between a very good Jonathan Kaminga night and a very bad Jonathan Kaminga night like 
close with him on the good nights, don't close with him on the bad nights. So it's difficult for to just tell you that this should be the closing five because these guys don't play the same every night, right? Like there are nights Kaminga should close and there are nights that he shouldn't. Uh, and you can say that pretty much about everyone, certainly including Clay, right? You could say, well, Clay shouldn't be in the closing lineup the way he played tonight. I think like we all believe that was the right choice not to have him out there. But Clay will, we've seen Clay score 30, you know, 25, 30, even this version of Clay score 22 to 28 points in like six straight games. Like that version of Clay should probably be out there. He's probably going to hit you a big three in crunch time. So I don't. Like, this roster just can't be a finds your five and always closes that five. And I, I, I know, like, the it's like there's a balance to it. And, like, you want to find some continuity. You want to find some combinations you like. But, like, how can you operate this roster that way? I mean, that just means it's a Dunleavy problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, that's, that's what this is all shaping to and boiling down to is that it's becoming clearer and clearer every game that they have 12 guys who at some form or some way or form or another should be on the court or should not be on the court. And the 13th guy is Moses Moody, who just kind of gets squeezed out. But they all have a great enough ability to be on the court and a great enough flaw to not be on the court. You know, so that, that, like, this is now on Mike Dunleavy to fix it, to figure out, which way he can kind of recraft his roster on the fly to to solve this problem. Because otherwise Steve has just got to juggle this every night. And to be to be fair to Steve as much, you know, I know he's gotten a lot of criticism, but this is not normal. <laughs> it's just not normal. It's very yeah. difficult to manage. Uh, and you can tell it's even more difficult with all of these other elements in place, such as past reputation and past success and, you know, and, and, and the history of how this hasn't worked for them in the past. Like, it's tough. You got to hit every night. You got to hit the right buttons for them to win, especially against the good teams. Like, you got to hit them. If you hit five out of seven, the two you don't hit right, right might might cost you the game. Like that's a wild way to, you know, to to coach in the season. But that's that's kind of Steve Kerr's life now until Mike Dunleavy solvable. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not sure it is that solvable. I do think again, like consolidation trade potentially, like it could it could shore up some of this. But in some ways, this is also life in as like a mediocre NBA team um, with. Like, I don't – I mean, we'll see. Maybe I'll be shocked, but I'm not – I'd be surprised if they find, like, a second star, if they can three for one their way to somebody big. Maybe they can, but uh, I don't know. Are you just throwing – you just throwing water on the Pascal Siakam pipe dreams out there of the, the hope. You just you just already let people dream, man. Let them hope. I mean, kill it by, now. The, by the way, I don't think that that's an impossible – like, an impossibility – um, certainly, uh, but I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe like there's not much know. evidence that it's going down, right? <laughs> but hey, hey, I don't know, man. I look based on what we've seen and the conversations we've had behind the scenes. Do you think there's a 
going to be a greater aggression at pushing that agenda? To yes, me, it I, feels I, like I, it's very obvious now. Like, there's no more questioning whether or not they need to do this. To me, it's I very agree obvious. with that. I agree with that. And I'm not completely like ushering away the idea of Siakam on like it that wouldn't be a stunner to me like at some point you know again I would think closer to the deadline Masai Ujiri suddenly wants to get it you know frisky and in uh, late December that's an early trade by the way uh, but uh, I'm not sure that'll suddenly be the elixir to all that ails but to your larger point yeah I do like yeah there's angst right I mean they're 15 and 17 and Steph Curry's at a, you know, uh, an advanced stage of his career. All they talked about this summer was like this win now approach. And I mean, beyond just like a win now, like approach from a roster building standpoint, they talked about this and Steph talked about it a bunch with this, like, uh, everyone has to come with a, with a one track mindset about winning. And that's what you're not hearing right now. That's what you're hearing is the issue. Uh, so I don't know. I like it to me. It's, and some of that is what, you, you know, like, again, having 12, 13 guys that believe they can be in the rotation. But I don't know. I mean, part of me believes through 32 games, 32 out of 80, we, we're about to move into 2024, that, like, you're just one of the teams that there isn't some championship answer out there. We could probably say that about 20 teams. You're in a large basket of teams. But, you know, like, these existential, like, the, uh, you know, name your random team. They, like, are the Pelicans having existential questions yeah probably about zion but it's just like you're just one of those many 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 uh the lakers yeah (laughs) yeah yeah right like that's that's part of it but so the i i don't know i think there might be i think there might be some internal uh reassessing going on not that they don't want to win a championship but it's like all right what will it take to win a championship in the next two to three years as opposed to winning it this year? Uh, like, no, nobody's saying it, but you can just hear the the tone change and the focus change and the, the acknowledgement that the league is different and the obstacle is different and the way that they've done things isn't, isn't like the... You know, like, hey, if, if it works, we're going to win a championship. Like, Or if, if we do it right, we're going to win a championship. I well, think you're starting to hear this sense of, like, uh, we might not have what we need to, well, to it's, do it. It's, I mean, and it's just common sense because you enter the season with an established starting lineup where, let's just say, your five veteran starters will be considered your five most important players. Well, let's go through four of them real quick. Draymond Green's status has very much changed. That We don't even need to detail it, but you know his situation looks a lot different than it did when you made this roster, remade it, gave him four, four years, $100 million. Andrew Wiggins is in, you know, having the worst season career. He's been bumped to the bench, which definitely did not seem like a possibility at all, even, you know, six weeks ago. Clay Thompson, I mean, we're talking about it tonight, but like his ebb and flow and inability to be a consistent you know, second star, and then Kevon Looney's the, the fifth of those five starters, and, you know, he's now, uh, you know, in some ways being outplayed by a rookie and, and replaced at least for a night in the starting lineup by a rookie. Like, yeah, you just – you have to reassess everything when that is four of your five most important players, you know, at, in, in the theory of your team. And, you know, like what they thought were strengths just don't feel like strengths anymore. 
and that that's the other big issue too. It's like, you know, I mean, they're one of. Let me see where they are. They are twenty fifth in shooting and field goal percentage, right? Forty five point nine. You remember three point percentage? They are fourteenth, right? I mean, I, this was the team where you were like, oh, we're not worried about the shooting. We're going to shoot. Yeah, no. Nah. You, you added Sarge to get more shooting and. Pajemski can shoot a little bit, but they still aren't on par with the rest of the league when it comes to the thing that they well, supposed to just be the best. The 19th pick and the 57th pick in the 2023 draft would right now be considered two of their top six rotation players, seven rotation players, would you say? Yep. I mean, that that says a lot, right? As, as good as those picks look, and they deserve a lot of credit for the those picks like just the fact that those two are playing these type of roles this soon like that's where that's where it's at yeah that's wild when you think about it especially when we got when we i remember the draft like that wasn't even on the this is i mean i mean obviously (laughs) these are different picks and different players but this is equivalent to like as far as like a, a plot twist to Last year, by the middle of the season, Ryan Rollins and Patrick Baldwin are doing this, right? You know yeah. what I mean? That's that's the stunner. I mean, it is a, it is like a, a like a, I guess a kudos to these rookies, right? Who've oh, been good oh, enough to sure. play. Whereas, and to the like the picks but themselves, also, but yeah, no question. But it's like also, I mean, the people they're replacing are proven playoff. You know, veterans. Like, that's a problem when you can get your spot took. And you know what? I mean, like, he still isn't, like, back to being who he is. But it definitely feels like Wiggins is fighting back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, <laughs> it feels like he's fighting back. Like, hey, man, let me let me take my spot back. And I do think, you know, to me, that's, like, if you want to consider uh, the, the impact Pods has had on this team, obviously he's – his rebounding is incredible. His ball handling is something they just desperately need. They just don't have enough ball handlers. But to me, probably in the end, if you could say his biggest impact is like he pressured <laughs> Wiggins and or Clay into stepping their game up, like that's massive because they are a better player. Like Wiggins is a better basketball player right now than Podjemski. They need Wiggins to be good, but. Wiggins can't be good unless he outplays Pajemski. And he's at least fighting back. That's what they need from Clay. Like, there needs to be a sense of, like, man, let me fight back. And, and CP, like, there's a lot of people who are being impacted by this. But I, I'm, I'm like, at least Wiggins is out here. Like, man, let me go for this. Like, I'm not about to just sit on this bench. And to me, like, all the stuff that that Steve Kerr was talking about and intimating, it doesn't seem like it applies to Wiggins. It feels like he's one of the people who – are like is focused on winning you know like you don't you don't hear anything from him about i mean i guess you don't hear anything from wiggins ever so i guess that's not that big of a deal (laughs) yeah 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 you know um yeah no it's all interesting and it's i don't know um What's their their what, what closes this this homestead? So it's Magic Nuggets Pistons are the next three. I know. I, mean, I think Orlando's the last. I mean, not Orlando. New Orleans is the last one. There's one in between there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I should know it. I should have it uh, memorized. 
Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Magic's that's a tough game. Magic's a tough game. Remember, Magic beat them twice last year, just because like their physicality, they got good size, they got playmakers. Oh, it's uh Toronto. Yeah, Dallas, okay. Orlando, Denver, Detroit, Toronto, New Orleans. So it definitely gets easier for them as the the, the road trip extends. You know, as the homestand extends. I think I think at minimum they they need like a three and two over those five, which would make you what eighteen and nineteen. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. You you were in there for the Steph Curry press conference, which was subtly notable in in various ways. But you know, I kind of. He previously mentioned the new year, like when the calendar turns as like a checkpoint. I kind of like wanted to go back to him on that, right? Because the calendar turns tomorrow, and he mentioned that look there, and it's true. There is more of like a reassessment daily because of where they're at, but also it seemed like he was really looking at the end of this homestand as like a if we don't get it turned around by then. Um, It'll be pretty clear. I mean, but if they don't, yeah. they're like behind the eight ball. They're four or five games under. You know, so I think there are two games under now. If they lose to Orlando or Denver, that's four games under. Yeah, but the, they pretty much have to win out just to get back to where they are. Yeah, but you know the NBA is wild because they were ten and fourteen, and it felt man walls are caving in. Draymond suspended. Where are they going right now? And then they won five in a row, including the yeah. the win over Boston that made them fifteen and fourteen. And you're like, whoa, what's happening here? And then now they're you know, three in a row a loss. If it, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it can really turn in the NBA over the course of a, like an undefeated week or a winless week, right? And, and you know how it turns? It turns when your star makes it turn. And, and I think the biggest thing that happened was Steph found a bit of a rhythm. Uh, he, you know, Christmas Day, he was scuffling mightily. And then it got worse against Miami. He's three for 15. And then he started one for seven in the first quarter. And you could you could you could tell he was like pressing to get himself out of it. He went to the hole, had a few layups rim out, but he seemed to find some rhythm. By the end of the game, he was hitting the shots that you expect him to hit. They were running, you know, some actions for him. So like they just need a big game from him. They need a they need one of them forty pieces, they need one of them bring the house down type. Like that's what they need. They need that from Steph. And it felt like it might have been coming tonight, uh, but Luca is just so good. He just that that he just has the whole game on the string. That everybody on the court knows exactly what they're doing with Luca. That was just that's a tough assignment for a team that isn't together. You got to be together against Dallas. But if there's any good signs, like Steph did find some rhythm, so if he can come out and and do you know drop, they need they need a 35, 40 piece from him. And that'll 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 kind of set things straight, which is what happened against Boston, right? He came out, played well against Boston. They beat Boston, and everything felt a little bit better. A positive close for Marcus Thompson to to allow Warriors fans to go into their New Year's Eve plans and New Year's Day feeling good, you know. And and most of these Warriors fans, I assume, are Niners fans. They get Washington. Um, the good news like for Niners fans is the Detroit losing. There you go. Yeah, on a controversial call that should benefit the uh, Niners. By the way, did you see the pool report? Sam Amick tweeted about it, but like the NFL pool reports compared to the NBA pool reports are like way different. Oh, yeah. These refs were like 
paragraph answering questions, yeah, it was huge, follow up, full so on like, explanations. Yeah, they were. I mean, I feel like that. I feel like that official knew he was in for it. So maybe, but I mean, I've done I've done the pool report. Like that is not how the NBA is operating. I'm not getting that type of stuff. But. Yeah, I, de- I definitely feel like he was like, hold on, let me explain myself because it don't look good. I mean, they got some video of the of 68 going to report himself eligible, but he's not even looking. So yeah, it, it, I don't know. I think I think he was being a little defensive, but it was wild because uh, my guy, our guy uh, Calvin, did it. Former uh, uh, Cowboys writer for the Athletic, yeah. he, was, he yeah. did it. And it was like it's wild to just see the chunky paragraph quotes from the. I was like, yo, this is like two pages worth of. Worth of quotes from the pool report. NBA, step yeah, like, up your game, man. Get the, get the refs talking. I feel like I it should be like every game, refs should be talking. It should be like the coach talks, each coach, and then a ref should get out there. And they and should that. be they should be allowed to just like, you know, be whatever personality you want to be. You know, like the players are. Like Scott Foster, if you want to kind of like, you know, bark back at the reporters, go ahead. If somebody wants to, uh, you know, tell anecdotes, whatever. Yeah, but, you know, get out. That would be great, right? Get Zach Zarber up there. He's good. He can talk. Yes, exactly. All right, uh, we will leave you on that. We will talk to you in 2024, maybe after the Magic game, Nuggets game, one of those coming up. And, uh, yeah, we will talk to you then. Deuces.